Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and on this episode, we are joined by Zito Madu to talk about the NBA Finals that eh, it looks like it's pretty much done. And we're probably going to sound like idiots for saying that, but I think it's still also pretty safe. So we talk about a few different things on this show. We talk a little bit about Kevin Durant. We talk about why the Warriors feel a little bit boring and whether that's fair. We talk about super teams, uh, and we also talk about injuries and a little bit of soccer at the end. But it all connects to basketball, I promise. Uh, but before you do anything, we really appreciate if you would give us a listen and a subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a nice review or leave us a crappy review. It'll convince us to do things differently. Uh, our new logo, our theme song, those all came because you guys gave us uh, not-so-great reviews that we improved. So we want to hear your feedback either way. Uh, and you can always send us questions at the at limited underscore upside Twitter handle, and you can find us on SBNation.com as well. So th- sit back and listen to this uh, game th- pre-game three edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. whole day has been kind of backed up since uh i went to get my mr my mri results you got a fractured elbow i have a hairline fracture in my elbow yes how did you fracture your elbow i didn't tell you the story i fell off i fell off my bike i flipped over my bike (laughs) (laughs) why are you laughing at me because it's 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 such a childlike injury though it's not i fell off my bike no it's not like it is. Oh, come on. No, it's not like I like couldn't pedal and I fell to the floor. Like, no. Yeah, what? There was <laughs> there was someone in my way and I tried to veer out of the way and fell off because the idiot was in my way. Like Mike, do you do you think there's any uh, like a time where you could tell somebody you fell off your bike and they won't laugh at it? <laughs> you know, you're the you know, funny enough, you're the first person that's left at it. Really, I think I think people just don't laugh at it in your face because <laughs> it's like when my little brother fell off his bike and he was hurt and I just laughed at him, like the entire time. All right, Ben. Ben, have you laughed behind my back about this? No, uh, no, I felt bad at first because all I saw was Mike in a sling, and then and, yeah. and like you know, and I saw that I saw that you were in clear pain, and you had been very sympathetic when I had torn my Achilles. Yeah, that's right. So Damn I, right, I, I was. I wasn't laughing at that. <laughs> that's no laughing matter. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I'd say Zito on this one. I'm going to give Mike a pass. I, I'm going to say he was legitimately injured, and as a, you know, you know, as a as a professional writer, you, you need both your arms. Yeah, sure. no, I, I I sympathize with the the fracture in the elbow, right? Like that's fine. <laughs> it's it's the bike. way you got. There. <laughs> it's one of those things you have to lie about and like make it dramatic <laughs> than it actually was. <laughs> I can no wait, wait. This is really that that like pathetic. Like what? No, what would not, be a better? What would be a better lie? Just out of curiosity. No, it's not pathetic at all, right? Like you fell off your bike because you were trying to avoid somebody. That's fine. It's just the fact, like when I think of somebody falling off their bike, it's just a very childlike thing, right? So, it's, yeah, I'm pretty I sure. I thought my first thought was like how, like how the difference between living in the city and the suburbs is that 
bike injuries in the city are I got hit by a car exactly. and I fell off my bike. <laughs> well, wait, no, you didn't leave. You left the part out. I fell off my bike because some 15 year old teenager was loitering on a skateboard. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Bart Simpson cut Mike off when he fell. <laughs> It's hard not to laugh at that. Okay, fine. I am curious like what I should have said instead. Now, funny story before we actually start this podcast, and I actually think we should leave this in because this is hilarious. Um, All right. my my wife got a call the night I the night after I got injured from our aunt her aunt, who they don't talk very much. I wouldn't say they're like super close, you know. And Hillary's like, Why are they calling me? And she picks up and she's like, hello? Hi, I just wanted to call to see if Mike was okay. And Hillary was like, yeah, he's fine. What's the problem? And she's like, oh, I, I heard he got hit by a car. <laughs> see, when people hear about bike accidents. <laughs> it turned out that Hillary's grandmother told, uh, told oh, her that I got hit by a car and not a bike. That's I the hope wrong. you. I hope you went along with it. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't me to go along with it. It was Hillary. Uh, Hillary didn't quite play it off as I maybe more heroically it could have. How old is How old is uh, the grandma? Uh, she's in her mid eighties, and she admitted yeah. that she did not hear correctly. Yeah, that's probably what it was. But she's her like yeah, she's just associated adult bike it, car, <laughs> yeah, which is fair. Yeah. Anybody who hears about me in an injury. They automatically, like, if somebody calls and says, like, yeah, I heard Zeno got hit by a car, anybody who's friends with me or close to me will go with that story <laughs> rather than he fell off his bike. <laughs> my, my, like, my best friends would, like, dramatize it even more. He got hit <laughs> by a car when he was trying to stop a thief. <laughs> <laughs> he stole this old lady's purse, and Zeno exactly. was chasing after her, and, and it- yeah. Yeah, you have to. That's, you just have to dramatize the smallest injuries. Mm-hmm. I made. I joked that like actually a private jet just fell on the bike path and like knocked me off. That's how I got hurt. If you say it with a serious face, people will believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's still some people in this world that do not know about this that don't listen to this podcast that I've now spilled the beans about. So maybe you know I have you know next time I see them I'll just say that exact story that you know. Just some idiot's private jet got in the way. Mike, I guarantee you, if you say that very seriously, that person will believe it. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. Confidence in the absurd is how you convince people. You know, that's yeah, I, t- I told my English teacher in college that I was late for class because I had a drug problem. Like, I had a really severe drug problem. And she actually, like, sent me to the psychology department, which I had to go to, like, every Wednesday. Well, so that, that, that backfired for <laughs> you then. Um, but it got the I, the abscesses wiped off my record. So there's that. There's that. So that now, works. speaking of things that you have to say to yourself that you don't really believe, but you try to say convincingly. Hi, this is a Limited Upside podcast. I'm Mike. That's Ben. <laughs> We're with Zito Madu from SB Nation. And does any... If you're a Cavs fan saying that you have a chance to get back in this NBA Finals, do you think that they, too, are just saying something in order to kind of try to speak it into existence and fool people? You mean, like, just say it out loud and maybe it'll come true? Yeah. I mean, are, are we saying that that <laughs> statement is yeah. is a con statement, or is, do people really, is there really any reason to believe that? Yeah, so on the big board in our, in our sales office, we have our predictions. And, Mike, you can come up and take a look at it. You'll see where I have my dubs and four pick. And 
I feel extremely confident about that still. Um, I'll say the one thing that's shocked me, I guess more than anything, are um, the amount of people now who, after finally seeing, if seen two games of this play out, uh, are so convinced that this is like you know one of the greatest teams of all time. But like what we watched the rest of the playoffs thus far and at the end of the season and just like the obvious uh, um, uh, amount of ability that Golden State has, that it wasn't like obviously they've been one of the greatest teams of all time for the last like six months. And now all of a sudden like this validation of those first two games is why everyone wants to kind of start that narrative, which is one I can't really stand right now. So that was just my an observation. But yeah, Mike, if I'm a Cavs fan, I'm terrified right now that this is um, not the same case as last year when the margin of uh, score difference was you know a little bit higher. I think about 48 points versus like 41 this year. It's just a completely different to- tone and tenor. And I know that, Zito, you always have a good pulse of that uh, – uh, um, I guess you would call it the emotional side of Twitter uh, NBA. So tell me what you, you think have. You have a that. good pulse of who's who's uh, <laughs> speaking from with confidence and who's speaking with little confidence. Well, remember I wrote in the Kevin Durant article that I wrote recently that at the first t- the first game after they lost, everybody was like, "Yeah, LeBron always loses game once." And in the second game, it was like, "Well, at least the margin of victory isn't as big as it was last year." But, I mean, I think you can tell it's different because LeBron just came out and just said, well, basketball is just a, it's just a game. That's <laughs> <laughs> right? When your leader is already in that existential crisis mode where he's like, well, this doesn't even matter in the grand scheme of things, I think you have a big problem. But what else can you do? It's only two games in, right? You can't just, you can't just already bail out. You have to cling on to whatever hope you can find. And they're just saying that, you know, last year it was three, three and one, and I keep saying like, well, yes, that Warriors team had the Cavaliers team three and one, and it took a bunch of catastrophic things to go wrong for the Warriors and super luck for the Cavaliers to win that series, and now they have Kevin Durant. So even if Draymond goes out, they still have Kevin Durant. So yeah, and by the way, Draymond's not going out. He doesn't have accumulated no. fines and suspensions to. Yeah, so this is all bad. Yeah, it's not happening. You're referring to what? What are you referring to when LeBron was like, uh, "What are you gonna? It's okay. I'll just have some wine or whatever." What was that <laughs> yeah. quote well, exactly? No, no, it was a recent quote where they're asking about when they were talking about the game, and he just said, "Well, it's just, basketball is just a game, right?" <laughs> like the, the wine and the wine and whatever was like. After they lost the second game, this is a recent quote. So he's he's in full mode, like existentialism, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, the way that Golden State's been playing, that'll put basically anybody in that place. It, oh, it kind of feels like you know, it kind of it kind of felt like he had to be searching for some answers about a game he knows you know better than anybody, um, because he played he played a really good game in game two, um, and so did Kevin Love so far in this series, but. Dude, I wanted to ask your opinion, and Mike, you know, you as well. Um, it would feel like Kyrie Irving's play has been a big variable between this year and last year that's changed. Um, maybe he doesn't look as confident. He kind of turned himself off in game two. He looked a little distant uh, in the first half specifically. Like, what do you want more from him in terms of you know, uh, things from his offensive part of the game that you need him to be there to float LeBron because you're not going to be able to score against this team? So, Mike Prater, tell me what you've been looking at. Uh, and what you want to see in adjustments wise for for Kyrie? I know, I know, I'm talking to one of the Kyrie's biggest fans on the other <laughs> side of the phone. But like, did he really do anything differently other than the shots didn't go in than what he usually does? I mean, I mean you, it, t- is, you, you tell me. Is it? I mean, oh, I'm, I'm telling asking you, he's y'all, a bunch like, of shots, and he, his confidence looks a little different. His body language looks a little bit different, in my opinion. I don't like being the psychologist, but this is who he is. He sometimes he he goes one on one. He's 
terrible on defense, which is being exposed now that he has nowhere to hide uh, against this Warriors mm-hmm. team. And you know, sometimes the uh, you find the nut, and sometimes the fi- the nut finds you. That's not the phrase I'm looking for. Um, that is not the phrase you're looking for. <laughs> that's not the phrase I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't know where I'm coming from with that, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes those shots are going in, and sometimes they're not. And you know, it, if you can get to the rim more, that would be great. But I, I don't know. I feel like uh, to use another analogy, like uh, was a leopard doesn't change his stripes. Is that what I'm looking for? Lever doesn't change his spots like he is who he is you know like i i don't know yeah. it took a huge effort from him to win uh you know last year and i wonder if maybe there the health difference now with curry and now he has to chase curry around and that's tiring him out and i don't know i just i don't i just think you know if he makes those shots, his body language sure looks a whole lot better. There's some whispers that he's injured. Like, I don't really see that. Maybe there's something going on there. I, I don't know. I just think sometimes the, they go in and sometimes they don't. What do you think, Zito? Well, I think Clay Thompson has been playing really, really great defense on Oh, him. yeah. We have to yeah. say but, that, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Clay has been a lot. Like, first, Clay is basically Kawhi Leonard now. So, but I think oh, Mike is right. This is just who Kyrie is, right? He takes the most difficult shots, and they go in most of the time, and you're just like, oh, well, this that's how he just plays. And, like, when they're not going, then all of a sudden it looks like he's taking bad shots yeah, that's or right. anything like that. But, like, I've never seen this man go to the rim without switching hands, like, five times and then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's part of the deception. That's part of his moves because he's not that high off the ground. He's not, like, yeah, a big jumper. Well, he's, like, he's, like, the most creative finisher I've, yes. like, yeah. seen. So... Sometimes, like, being that creative, it comes with a big margin of error, right? Yeah, yeah. So now it's just not going in, and especially with the games where it's costly when those shots don't go in. Because if he misses and they just go right back on transition and hit a three, all of a sudden it's like it builds up really quick. So mm-hmm. there's not enough – there's not that much more patience for him to, like, miss a couple of those shots. So – but it's still it's the same player that he was before. And, like, you'll see – and like game one and game two, he'll go on like a scoring spurt where he'll score like six or eight. And then, you know, the Warriors answer and all of a sudden we're right. back in the same predicament. Right. Well, you raise a good point, too. It's also like when he misses, like the Warriors just convert every fa- every live ball play. I suggested somewhat facetiously that the Cavs should just throw the ball out of bounds when they're in trouble because at least then they'll get back on defense. But that's. Especially layups. You miss layups against the Warriors, you're dead. Like The Warriors gonna... had three dead ball layups last game, too. Well, yeah, I guess that doesn't really – yeah, when, when you're complaining to the referees about calls, like, that doesn't exactly help either. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's like, come on. Uh, uh, that, that, you know, that's a disgrace. You can't have well, that happen two games. When you're being blown out, you got to complain, right? You got to try to get every single call because if I'm losing by 15, I'm calling every single foul. Every foul that happens. Hoping you get a next game potentially. But I, w- I want to ask a, a few questions here because it's been, I don't know, poignant. We saw some things written about this on SB Nation the last couple of days. Uh, Zilla wrote a piece, and I want to get both your opinions. And then also uh, Bram, who we had on uh, last podcast from Golden State of Mind, uh, Kinchella, wrote a piece also that I think I'd like to talk to Zito about because it's a front to uh, Russell Westbrook, so we can get to that in a little oh, bit. So yes, that's right. first, let's get to the Ziller uh, column that he wrote today about 
uh, basically the narrative being that people hate Golden State uh, because they're a super team. But in actuality, Cleveland is too, and they've had many of the same different parts of luck in the NBA world. Not necessarily like an injury to their best players. So they don't have to give a max contract at a weird contract year, but getting number one pick a few times in Cleveland's case and sort of how things have played out for the team that they've been able to assemble. So, Well, also, you you forgot the part about how the best player in the world hails from your region. Well, I've said that on this podcast like a bajillion times. Yes, yeah. that's the paramount. <laughs> yeah, which is my, I hate that more than anything. I like the narrative of Cleveland getting their guy back, but the fact that uh, that Cleveland it was gifted the ability to have this guy born in their backyard is, is garbage. And and to have a loyal guy born in their backyard because plenty of good athletes come from Philly and New York and L.A. and they just go about their business. Um, having said that, uh, Zito, what, what do you think about the idea that there's a lot of hate disproportionately thrown to Golden State even though that same thing could be said about Cleveland. Well, I don't think... Okay, so I stand on the... I don't think Golden State is fun anymore, right? Because mm. I, I I think I've written about this a lot, and I've been on everybody who asks me, like, how do you feel about the Warriors now? I'm like, they're just not fun, right? Like, not in my sense of fun, which is... I don't think that... I think Warriors fans are having a hard time understanding that they're now the villain, and they're trying to justify that people or they're trying to tell people that people can't hate them. And that's not how it works. Right. So the the hate that comes to the Warriors fans and like the inability for Warriors fans to understand where this hate is coming from is because they're arguing that Kevin Durant did what was good for him to win a ring. And if you're the Warriors, if Kevin Durant is available, you get him. Right. And that's true. That's fair. There, nobody is arguing that. Every, what the hate is from is that this is a team that was 73 and nine. And then they went and like a team that was up three and one in the last finals and won the finals before that. And then they went and got really, really overpowered. Nobody is knocking Golden State for doing it. Everybody is just not happy that it happened. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that people hate Durant for making a choice, it was the best choice for him. People hate what the choice is created, which is that even a team with LeBron James is a severe underdog now. Like the defending champions yeah. are about yeah. to get swept. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, that that I mean, it's that's a weird thing, right? Do you want to see greatness at its finest? This is ultimately kind of the esoteric question of sort of where the NBA has gotten to. Do you want to see the basketball played at what a lot of people would say is like a peak? Ability like five guys in, in perfect concert, moving all of them, being able to play point through center on the court at the same time together because the way they play. I mean, not all of them obviously point through center, but the fact that Curry can play off of Durant so smoothly with only having played together for less than a season that you know that Draymond works off of every single individual player in different ways throughout the course of the game on both sides of the court. You mentioned Clay, um, you know, locking down Kyrie and then switching on to LeBron and then switching back on to J.R. Smith and like disrupting the entire perimeter of the game, like. It feels like if we're people who love the game and love the sport, we should want to see just for even for a little bit what it looks like to see it played at such a high level that does, you know, that minimizes a 30, whatever, eight point triple double or or 30 point triple double by LeBron James. And, you know, the the series that Kevin Love is off to and the fact that they're not even competitive, um, you know, when you watch it and you haven't seen competitive basketball played yet really against them in these playoffs or uh, in, in the last, like, three months, really. For, for one half of one game, really. <laughs> one half so, of one game. yeah, that was my argument against the whole, like, you should, you should watch this for the greatness, right? Because I called mm-hmm. it the snobby attitude that people usually have towards high art, which mm-hmm. is that you should just appreciate this art because it's technically perfect, right? But if it doesn't have an emotional pull, it's just useless, right? Interesting. So uh, with, with the Golden State, then, is like, you 
you appreciate this type of greatness when there's like uh when there's an opposition that's just as good, right? Like if Golden State is playing this well and the Cleveland Cavaliers are staying close and then Golden State has to adjust like they did, I think it was 2015 where they decided to put Iguodala in the in the starting lineup, right? Where you have to make a dra- drastic change in yeah. order to like showcase how great you are, right? That's what makes teams or like sports so great, right? You're faced with an equally great opposition and you have to go to another level that like we've never seen before or that showcases just how amazing you are. But if it's just like we're just going to walk right through this because we're super overpowered, it's like I keep saying it's like in Star Wars if if the empire <laughs> lost that one fight and decided that they're not just only going to have a death star, they're going to have a star killer as well. <laughs> and they're just gonna eradicate everybody, <laughs> and then you're not, you don't even want to watch the movie because it's like, yeah, I know the the bad guys win or like the powerful guys <laughs> win. It's like, it yeah. There's no like, there's no tension in it, right? And a story without a tension is like not a good story, even if it's technically perfect. Right, and Mike, I know you, and I want to get your input here because I know you've talked a little bit about you kind of need to see similar to what Zito was just talking about there, them be pushed to figure out what that greatness is that I kind of was talking about. Yeah. I actually think they were pushing game two in a way yeah. that I finally was able to appreciate. Now, I rewatched the game. Like, Cleveland messed up a lot, and they made, I would say, mistakes of sort of commission. There, there, there are some sloppy points, especially on defense, but they brought it in game two. Like, their effort level was significantly higher. LeBron was really bringing it. And still, you saw Golden State rise to that challenge. And to me, that was the first time I really was able to appreciate how great that Warriors team is and how uniquely great it is. It was in Game 2, even though it was a blowout. You know, I was really to appreciate that. Um, So if the standard is like, let's see them push and let's see them really rise above it. Like, I know they still won Game 2 by a lot, but I felt like that was a moment where I really saw them reach another level in an interesting way. Uh, you know, they had to play Duran at center. They, you know, had to manage Green's foul trouble. You know, they didn't just kind of dick around and play their, like, crappy reserves a lot. Like, they actually played right. their top guys. Um, I, saw there, I thought there was a little bit more of that. Um, the other thing that I think it's interesting we talk about, to go back to the Cleveland-Golden State sort of juxtaposition, where it's like one team is this, the villain despite sort of being completely – organic except for this last step whereas the other team is the underdog despite being like the most inorganic likely inorganically formed team ever you yeah, know yeah. um i think part of it is all actually one thing i thought of it kind of hit me today like there's almost a sense of betrayal with golden state where it's like oh you guys were supposed to be the team that built the culture from the ground up and did it the quote-unquote right way uh right. and you drafted well you didn't get high picks and suck for a while you know i mean you suck for 20 years but you didn't like purposely 40. suck a, <laughs> you didn't like purposely suck like oklahoma city to get high picks you know you actually got guys from the seventh pick the 10th pick in the second round blah 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 mm-hmm. you built this great organic system and team you guys are the ones now just importing this like high-paid mercenary and i hate to put durant that way but i think in the, that's in the story is. that's yeah. how it would i think there's a sense of betrayal now um and you talk about like art being has to have a narrative and an interesting foil. There was a very clear, I think, you know, built versus bought sort of kind of shift yeah. shift last year. And this year it's like not quite as clear. And I think to not have that clear storyline can muddy up the art, even if like really that's we need that coherent line and play. You don't think so, uh, Ben? Well I think back to last year that 
the tone had already started to turn on the Warriors last year uh, when they were the defending champions and they were a little bit cocky and people were like all on board on, okay, Thunder, like beat them when they were, you know, when they were in that game seven or when they were, um, uh, you know, clone back. Don't speak a lot of that's because one of their dudes was kicking people in the dick and like, yeah, he's still on the team. He's still, he's still playing as, you know, without kicking people, he's still doing everything else that frustrates other teams. Like he he hasn't kicked anyone in the dick this playoffs though. No, I really (laughs) think Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like true. the. I think that's the ultimate sucker move. That well, I think once he knows they're upset. they're clinching it, like they're he's like they're up like yeah, he just starts <laughs> kicking dudes. Like the next the next two games are just gonna be a kick dick and fest. Um, <laughs> he's gonna walk out with a with a shirt that says "Find me." And he's, <laughs> <kicking> <laughs> <for this. laughs> he's got he's got like fifteen technicals to burn up in the next two uh, two games. But um, that's true. No, I, I, I do think there was some of that resentment had started to build, and then you're right. There may have been a tipping point moment here, which was was Durant moving over. But I wanna I wanna have that Durant discussion. Um, Last year, but before we do that, if we were to say, because there was another good, uh, you know, Alfred wrote a little piece today on SB Nation. We're just pimping all the SB Nation pieces today. Everyone should read the NBA content. Why not, right? Um, just about who, what NBA superstar would you add to the uh, Cavs to make this a closer series, right? In terms of who would you, you know, be their high paid mercenary? And and he throughout like all their other high paid mercenaries. Yeah, I know. As opposed to the other <laughs> four on their team and they're, and they're <laughs> And they're stable of over-the-hill guys that paint their heads. Um, let's see. Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Westbrook, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Giannis. Names like that were thrown around here. If you guys could go for your amp, uh, your optimal fun guy to have there, who you think would, A, let them compete, but, B, you'd most actually want to see play basketball with this team, uh, who would it be? Zito, you can go first. It would probably have to be Kawhi Leonard because mm-hmm. if you put Kawhi with LeBron, I think you get – a team that beats Golden State because Kawhi could probably defend whoever he needs to defend and still give you like 30 whatever points a game. Like even when he's in the Spurs before he got injured, he was it was Kawhi who had Golden State on the back foot. Now you put Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James together, there's I don't think even go, this Golden State team can like do this against them. <laughs> Kawhi's probably one obvious choice I would say also I think Anthony Davis might be better just because the big problem Cleveland has is that they can't play big because the Warriors are just helping off all these dudes and they can't play small because the word they can't guard anyone so mm-hmm. maybe Anthony Davis maybe solves both those problems the one I'd like to see from an entertainment value is Westbrook <laughs> of course he would try to kill everybody on that court could you imagine Westbrook and LeBron playing together just running a fast break could you imagine LeBron glaring at him while he doesn't pass him the ball? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think LeBron would be mad about that, right? Because that's LeBron's not that give me the ball at the last minute thing. That's true. That would be, for fun's sake, probably my top one. Although it would be kind of fun to see. I know he's the, the flavor of the year, but Giannis would be kind of fun there too. Just to see, for the same reasons, the skill sets that Giannis and LeBron present would be fantastic to see on the court at the same time. Giannis versus Steph Curry. Yeah, right, exactly, right, and then switch, switching off on the dream. them off from the perimeter. I mean, I mean, yeah, they, they would just help off both those dudes, and, like, they can't shoot, and I, I don't think that would really be that interesting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love wow. Giannis, but I feel like oh, that just oh, is going to make him look you're bad. Just, you're just going to go against my son. I'm here to protect yeah. him. This is for his own good. I don't think this would be good for him. 
So I want to say that one of the other glaring things from the first two games has been that as amazing defensive or offensively uh, as the Warriors are, that you get to really see how great their defense is by the way that there's that kind of like juxtaposition between how easily these Cavs stars dominated the you know, Celtics in the previous round and how much trouble they're having this round, uh, at least executing the same way. And Clay, KD, and Draymond specifically come to mind as just being playing at an incredibly high level defensively, um, which has been something interesting to see. They're awesome. And you know what the other thing is, is that they're one of those teams where their two biggest strengths go hand in hand. It's their half court defense and their transition offense, because literally every time they get a stop, they can trigger their transition offense. And that, that just is like waves and waves and waves and waves. And honestly, like that's why LeBron is saying like, we can't just slow it down on them. And that's why they're playing more offense-heavy lineups. They know that really their only chance is to score as much as possible and make them take the ball right. out of the net. And that's why I seriously like think that if they're in trouble, just chuck the ball into the stands and get back on defense. You need to write Ty Lue a letter, a strongly worded letter. I did write a strongly worded, worded blog post that if uh, – Yes, you did. Yeah. I would just chuck like four on the shot clock and like Rich and Kyrie has the ball with two players on him. Like just don't even try. Like just chuck it into the stands and get back. Yeah. Let's get the fear of the sword guys to to print it out and just like paper airplane it at Ty Lue at halftime. <laughs> uh, something like that. That's our best way to get there. Um, okay. Let's get to the piece that I wanted to talk about last year uh, that uh, Bram – uh, wrote. I guess he was on the podcast last week. If you all haven't listened to it, that was our preview here. Um, but he writes for Golden State of Mind, and he uh, published a piece basically asserting that one of the reasons we're getting this greatness from Durant that now is going to have people like a friend of the pod, Mike Pina, wrote about how Durant's time as being uh, the best player in the league is is right about now. And maybe he's eclipsing LeBron as we speak. But part of being able to see this shade of Durant is that he's finally out of the shadow, if you will, of the teammate and relationship that he was with Russ and now being complimented by really the perfect complimentary guard, which is, you know, for him and his skill set, which is Curry. Um, And it it was pretty interesting and it did come across and in moments as a massive diss piece on, on, on on Russ. Yeah, it was, you know, and so I obviously, and we'll get Bram on here again. We told him we will, and and he's, he's a great guest. So we'll let him defend himself at another time, but I would love to have the Russell fan club. And you know, I'm part of that too, Zito, but I want to make myself more of the question I ask her here. I want to get your opinion on that kind of premise. You can just look at last year's playoffs and, or last year's playoff, Thunder playoffs and look at the numbers Durant was putting up versus what he's doing this year and look how similar those numbers are. Now, I'm not saying that it's not different that he's playing with Golden State, right? Because he doesn't have to do a lot of isolation or whatever. He gets a lot more open shots. But we've known Durant was this good. That I don't mm-hmm. think there's ever been a question like Durant was this good. Against Golden State, he was blocking shots in the same way. He was like he was a defense. He was defensive and offensive. We've known he's this good. He, he was this good next to Russell Westbrook. That's not a problem. Like the even he said it. Like the problem with uh, the Thunder last year was that Golden State could stop him and Westbrook, and then like force him into bad shots, and nobody else would do that. You can't do it in this. You can't do it in this series. You force. You try to stop Durant. You have Curry. You stop. You try to stop that. You have. There's a lot more weapons, right? So he can. He can operate freely and freely in this, and he could do, you know, he could play to his strengths all the time rather than having to isolate and be like, I don't know, like uh, on the on the foreground all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like there's sometimes when Steph Curry takes over and the attention turns to him, and then Durant gets like a free line that 
to get uh, a dunk or something like that. Like, sure, if you have more weapons, it opens things up more. But let's not say that he wasn't this Durant or he wasn't capable of these same things mm-hmm. last year when he clearly did it against Golden State, which is why they were up 3-1 to begin with. So it's yeah. it's more, you, you would say that it's more us being a victim of, of kind of the immediacy of the situation and how we're perceiving it's, Durant? It's Westbrook hate. Right. It's Westbrook. Hey, it's like let's find a way to tarnish Westbrook by looking at how Durant is playing now. Well, I would say he's probably having a lot more fun this year playing with mm-hmm. Curry. I mean, I think we can agree with that. Like, it's yeah. just easier to play with yeah. Curry. And now, as far as like we get to appreciate him more, like, what are the things that we're learning about Durant this year that we did not really kind of feel or it was most evident before? That's my question. We Nothing. Know- Nothing. No, I, I agree. I, he I don't won think MVP were... in 2014. Yeah, yeah, and I think that he's like one of the most unique NBA players ever. And the moment he played in the NBA, the first minute he played, he became that one of the most unique players ever. He's you know longer and and a point guard than anybody who's ever played the game. Straight up, one of the things that this game allows for him or this uh, uh, circumstance playing with the Warriors provides him is the ability to have that ball in open court. So now everyone gets to see that like, oh, shit, he can bring the ball up full speed without looking at the ball and either whip it up or just pull up from the free the three point line and, and knock down a three like it's a free throw because that's the type of shot it is for him. Like he I makes s- everything look tiny. The argument is he's a more complete player. You get to see he's. Played better defensively this year. I guess you could say he's a better mm-hmm. passer. Uh, you like you said the bringing up the court. Um, I mean, he certainly. It's not like we've like got a better appreciation of how good a scorer he is. Like that. That I don't think has changed at all here. As far as like how well he played defensively, like I don't really see how you tie that to Westbrook other than like oh he got discouraged and get the ball and didn't try hard enough on defense. Like for sure, you know I don't think that's a Westbrook thing. I guess. You know, the bringing the ball up the floor, like he did plenty of that in Oklahoma City. I guess now that he's in a place where it's sort of the way they work is that they don't have a point guard, really. They kind of just everybody brings it up. But I don't know if that's like a Westbrook specific thing. Like, so I, I, I'm kind of with Zito here that I don't really see, you know, any way. I think the other thing, too, that's going on here is that and I was talking to somebody about this today and it struck me there, too. I forget who, but like. The only player with like really anything legacy wise to gain or lose from this series is Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. The only key player. I mean, all the other Warriors have a title. I mean, and what LeBron and the rest of the Cavs did last year, I think, will stand the test of time no matter what happens in this game. So, you know, really, like, we're, if we're looking for like who, what these finals mean anything to, it's really only him. So that means I think we're just sort of. It, we're running out of things to talk about here. A yeah, but bit. you don't think there's redemption like for the 73 loss team that. That didn't win it last year. Like, no, oh, these guys have been thinking no, about this. No, because shit. if it was they have Kevin Durant, it would have to be the same team. Right? <laughs> yeah. It would have oh, to be the we're same team. We're in that team. loop. This is yeah. this, well, no, because if if you go seventy three and nine and lose, right? Yeah, yeah. But because you collapsed in the last four games, then you would come back with that team and improve that. That was just a fluke. That's what redemption is, okay. right? Like the person well, I, comes back. You don't yes. come back with a superpower. But in a movie, <laughs> in a movie, I yes, I agree with you by the definition of dramatic redemption. But as a team who's like, we won seventy three games, and the general manager and a coach walk in and they're like, "Hey, would you guys be cool with Kevin Durant becoming your teammate?" Then I'm as one of those teammates. I'm like, "Yes, well, yes, I am." Pettiness, <laughs> right? This is pettiness. This is. You get punched in the face, and then you go get your older brother to beat the guy up. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. I just, I just don't yeah, think yeah. there's really much, you know, in the in their legacies on the line. 
I mean, maybe like, I mean, at the end of the day, like to, you know, when Curry retires and he has one more title than we originally had, like, I guess this will all fade a little bit, but I mean, the really, the legacy changer here, like last year was a legacy changer for LeBron and it would have been a major legacy changer for the Warriors, obviously, you know, two years ago, we, we saw this Warriors team emerge and that's obviously a huge legacy changer. Um, I think it, but there's just the only player that this is really like a legacy changer for is Durant. And so I think there's a little bit of disproportionate attention on whether his game has changed or not. When the reality is, is that like we, if you didn't know that he could do all these things, I mean, I, again, like there are things that he's doing this year that he did not do as much in the past, especially on defense. I'm not sure that that's Westbrook's fault. Um, I think that is sort of a product of going to this team and this system with this coaching. Um, but I mean, I think there's just a lot of attention on Durant because that's really the only thing that uh, we're really learning from this finals in one way or the other. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, team with uh, four of the top 15, 20 players in the game is better than other team with three of the top 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always hey, trying to tear down Westbrook. I yeah, can't right? believe this. Let me ask you a question on that. You just named like top use that, that – that term top whatever player Courtney Kennedy gave us a question on Twitter. Thank you for the uh, question here, man. Um, taking this season on, only this season, where do clay and Draymond rank among the overall players? And the same thing with Kyrie, uh, and, and Kevin love we'll place those four in, in your actual pantheon of the NBA. Ooh, well, Draymond made third team all NBA and I think he deserved mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, so he's already in, you'd have to put him in the top 15. Um, I guess I'm trying to think who he made, was he better than Jimmy Butler this year? I think so. I think he was incredible defensively. Uh, so let's say like 13th for him. And then Clay. I mean, who are the guards that beat him out? I mean, DeMar DeRozan, I think, probably had a better numbers season, but I think I would rather have Clay on my team. Um, yeah. And who was the other? John Wall. I think I'd rather have John Wall than Clay Thompson. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's in the top 20. I mean, Clay didn't have like an amazing year, but I, I just think the defensive versatility he offers is like so underrated. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're both in the top 20. I mean, this year, I don't know. So what. way far ahead of Kyrie and Love this year? Uh, Well, Kyrie had a pretty good year. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would say Kyrie is probably slightly below then. And Would you rather have Clay or Kyrie on your team? Clay. Was he, have... you got any thoughts oh. on that? <clears throat> I, would, I would take Kyrie <laughs> Irvin. But only because his numbers and everything were up this year, like just this year. But I think that just comes from Clay taking, I don't know, like a little backseat because of you know you have Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I like I like Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, I, Kevin Love had a good year, by the way. So I, I don't. I mean, we are year. we are shortchanging him a little bit. Like I would still say he's it's one of the top the twenty-five, the top twenty-five to thirty players in the league. Yeah, it's just a hair. I just can't respect that. By the way, I want to go back and I want to append my earlier answer of uh, Giannis, and I want to put Joel Embiid on this Cavs team, and then okay. uh, go, okay. we'll just drop Good. him on there. You said for fun's sake, he'd be <laughs> fantastic. Good. So now the now the Warriors will just run Durant through a zillion pick and rolls, and he'll get every mid range pull up and drive. Mike, the they don't he even wants. need to do that because after the first play of the game, they'll, <laughs> they'll be down. <laughs> <laughs> After the first time he's put on skates and tears his ACL, and then wow, <laughs> you, take, you take that back. 
That is on this very harsh. Like when he was when the video came out of him playing at the park with the kids, <laughs> whose heart wasn't in their stomach every time he went to get that ball? Dude, I, it, it's the single hardest thing as a fan in my entire life watching sports is that I am simultaneously always super excited for what he'll do and terrified for him. Exactly. It's a, You're like it's a, a horrible mix. <laughs> oh my god! Why is he's on the floor? Oh my god! Somebody help him! <laughs> <laughs> was just like anytime someone falls, my my first thought is Joel's leg is gonna be in the way. Um, and that's just not. Anyhow, it's we'll, the we'll, same with Giannis. When anything happens to him, I'm like, I shouldn't run on this court and like save him. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that's what I'm doing by not making him play against the Warriors. Too. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Thank, see, Mike, that's the long play right there. That's how you do that. <laughs> that's what I was um, saying the whole time, and you guys didn't <laughs> listen. That was, that was yo. The whole uh, thing. Because we have Zito on, and I know you watched the Champions League final, um, that Manducic goal, Man- Manducic, however you pronounce Manzukic. it, um, Manzukic goal, that that was one of the sweetest team goals I've ever seen in my life. And they lost yes. 4-1. Okay, Mike, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we can still appreciate this, even if the team's lost. But I think that's the second best Champions League goal ever. <laughs> right not just not just the finish because the finish was amazing right like yeah. he was i didn't even think he had the confidence to try that let alone the talent right because Mazukic <laughs> plays like he just wants to run through a brick wall and sometimes get the ball over the line <laughs> this man chested the ball and just decided to go for it but the best thing about that is like after the ball was hit the initial ball was hit it never touched the floor ever again right yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it got crossed back into the box and then it got hit to Mandzukic and the ball just never hit the ground. That's just so much skill in that. Oh, yeah. Right? What, and, who, what is the NBA equivalent to that goal? Like, which player making what kind of shot? Oh, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. That's like the NBA equivalent to that is... Oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. You basically have to get like a pretty good player who's known more for like his industry. Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. <laughs> okay. <Maybe. laughs> On a fast break, everybody's like the ball never like the outlet pass comes, the ball never touches the floor, and it goes for an alley oop. But the guy who alley oops it doesn't. Instead of turns around and throws it back like thirty feet, thirty yeah. feet behind. Patrick Beverly hits a fadeaway three. Yeah, because <laughs> I was I was envisioning something like, you know, like the Valparaiso pace, uh, pacer play, right? Where it's like this perfect pass down the field that gets perfectly caught in midair and turned over to the guy who's, has, you know, situating himself at that moment to hit the shot uh, in like the perfect sense of timing, right? But like the idea that that play, and you're right, I think it was like, was it Alessandro or one of those like yeah. uh, left uh, back guys who was making a run up the field? He did... The flying move that he made to kick it with the outside foot, so the ball came across his body to his left foot, then put it back to the guy who chested it, to the final guy who then chested it, to the you know bicycle kick, if you will, that um, then ended up being the goal or crescent kick, whatever that would be called. I don't even know. It um, was just magical. That's yeah, it was it was magical. I was with my my wife at a hotel where we were staying in Newport for a wedding, and I was like, whoa, whoa! I was like screaming. She's like, are you serious right now with them? It was it was that good. Uh, and then Madrid just you know. Turned, turned around and did what they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, life that, comes at you fast. That would be, <laughs> I guess then that the equivalent would be like if um, J.R. Smith and Amon Schumper combined on some sort <laughs> of like two-on-one fast break where they threw an alley-oop to each other and then J.R. caught it and like reverse yeah. spun and dunked it. Yeah, J.R. got off easy on this podcast, by the way. We didn't talk about how terrible he's been playing. Yeah, well, J.R. has been going through a lot this year, so I think, you know. Yeah. 
That's fair. To, That's fair. to give him a little bit of a break. Yeah. Uh, that reminded me, that goal reminded me, the improbability of it reminded me of the uh, goal that um, our, like, backup left wing scored on, like, a scissor kick or whatever against Arsenal a couple years ago. Who's this? Was that Is that Southampton that you're talking about? Yeah. Does anybody Owl? even watch them? We beat, this is a game we beat you for nothing. And what was the name of the left back? So you know this goal I'm talking about. Mike, nobody watches Southampton. When you guys play us, I just <laughs> read the match reports. <laughs> you know this goal I'm talking about. It was, oh, Cuckoo Who Martina. That's right. <laughs> Remember this goal? You it just, like you just ostracized year. 90% of the audience by okay. talking about Southampton. Anyway, it was like, it was that improbable. Wait. Anyway. Um, Anyhow, all right, all right. Enough well, soccer talk. Now that, we've, now that we've officially gone off the the deep end here uh, with some Southampton talk, sorry, Mike. Saints, <laughs> Saints, Saints will have their time on this podcast in the middle of the summer when we're filling time. But uh, they really should. They really shouldn't. I think I brought them up one time too many. I can make I can make Zito actually. We could like listen to him throw up on the podcast if I told him that I'm going to see Swansea play the Philadelphia Union on July 14th. Where uh, is that in, game? It's in Chester in uh, in Philly. Huh. Outside of Philly. Right. Might be around there. Come, oh, let's talk. We'll talk after this, man. I have. Uh, we can definitely get some tickets. That uh, extra tickets. So anyhow, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for defending Russ and uh, and always being a soldier. Ah, uh, no problem. <laughs> and then, no problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mike. Uh, I guess look for more of these. Everyone, check out the piece Mike did on Draymond Green's defense. Uh, it's part of the Prada motion picture thing we do. It's really good. I think it'll. Kind of help enlighten a little bit of what we talked about uh, on this podcast today. Um, I guess we didn't say in the beginning, but give some scra- subscribe, uh, rate, review, all those good things. Give us the feedback. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can send us questions and, and whatnot. You can send emails to MikePreda at SBNation.com. Uh, and on Twitter, it's at SBN at limited underscore upside, uh, and at EpiBen. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, on platform at SBNation.com backslash MBA. Uh, and until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.